You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash teacher to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hello and welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Let me introduce myself. My name is Nantolino, and I'm truly excited to be here and share this next half hour with you. I'm a certified dog trainer and canine behavior specialist, and my company is called Heart to Heart Canine Counseling. I primarily work with creating peace and harmony in the home for companion animals and their families. I've been rescuing and rehabilitating stray, homeless, neglected, and abandoned animals now for ooh, close to 20 years. Wow, time goes by fast. I work with many rescues and shelters and special organizations such as the SPCA, PAWS, Pitbull Rescues, Boxer Rescues, etc. I volunteer at the SPCA through my internship and I've rebuilt many dogs that were unfortunately at one time considered unadoptable. My heart is really for those animals finding and keeping their forever homes. So helping them and helping their new families learn to modify any unwanted behaviors is really what I find myself gravitating to on a daily basis. My training philosophy is all about positive reinforcement. I work on individualized programs, because all dogs are different, and I love watching and observing them. You learn something every day. The reason I like doing it this way is, being that they're all different personalities, just like people, some techniques work better for some dogs than others. So I love trying new and different ways, but it all surrounds positive reinforcement. And fortunately, that always reaps successful results. Some may be a little more stubborn, some may be a little more high-spirited, some may have a stronger will, some may have a bit of a stronger personality, and more of a determined will to keep things their way. But one thing they all universally have in common, they love challenges, they love to learn, and they love to seek our approval. They want to fit into our homes and in our families, and into the pack. So it's our job to step up to being a great, loving pack leader. They're going to love us anyway. We owe it to them, to give them the best life that we can. And we owe it to ourselves to enjoy the best we can out of our relationship with our dogs and to create peace and harmony in the household. It's a win-win for everybody. You know, it's so sad that many of the calls I receive at times sound quite desperate. But you know what? Fortunately, these situations can be resolved. We just need to step back, observe, and recognize what the dog's needs really are, those needs that are being overlooked somehow, and guide them to a new redirected behavior. I'm Antelano, and you're listening to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Coming back, we'll talk about how dogs communicate with us and with each other. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by Petco.com. 
Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code TEACHER10, TEACHER, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Welcome to Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And you know, as the human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as, as wise puppies. What do you think about that? Be sure to join us for another dish of Sassy Seniors. And remember, celebrate your senior pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, and welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. We're talking about how dogs communicate. Knowing how they communicate with us and with each other helps us to learn how to communicate better and more effectively with them. Dogs being pack animals by nature communicate constantly. They seek their place in the pack, they seek protection in the pack, and they seek the pack's preservation. Looking at life among the pack, this natural social order and structure, this social interaction, clear communication, and strong signals only serve to help us learn to communicate better, clearer, and more effectively with our best friend. So observing life through their eyes and getting to know the way they communicate not only helps us understand them better, but opens up a line of communication, but helps us to send clearer signals as well. It makes it easier for us to work with our dogs. You know, anyone who loves an animal knows that we're not the only ones who instruct. They are our teachers, too. Let's not forget that. Just think about it. On a daily basis, they teach us compassion, loyalty, structure, consistency, patience, and, of course, unconditional love among so many other things. All we need to do is watch and learn, if we're as open to learn as they are. I know that my dogs and the many dogs I've worked with over the years have taught me so much. I think I may have learned more from observing and interacting with them than from all the seminars, classes, and workshops and lectures over the past, I don't know, 20 years. But really, think about it. If you really take the time to observe, they're constantly communicating with us because they do with each other through their gestures, their body postures, their facial expressions, and their vocalizations. Well, their gazes alone can tell us so much. Just look into your dog's eyes with stares and glances, even looking away, which typifies avoidance, etc. And if you share your heart and your home with a dog, (laughs) believe me, you know what every look means. Now, I'd say that's a sign of a good teacher, don't you think? They actually do guide us to help them by giving us signals and cues constantly. But it's our job, however, to pick up on those cues and even more importantly, at the right time to avoid some major behavioral problems or problems that could escalate into serious behavioral problems. And then we need to give appropriate guidance to modify the behavior to a more desirable one. 
one that brings about structure, peace, and balance. Every dog wants that, just as every family does. So just be open, be observant, be consistent, and above all, praise and reward good behavior whenever you see it. You know, sometimes that can be massively overlooked. When a dog is exhibiting desired behavior or just laying by your side in a calm, relaxed state, many people overlook those wonderful times to reward the dog. Those are the times that you want to highlight. Those are the moments that you want to experience again and let the dog know that that's desired behavior and that you're giving him or her your absolute approval. Those are times to reward, even with some praise and affection. We tend to look at the negative, which of course has to be addressed, but we many times overlook the positive. So I just stress to you, because I had just finished uh, working with someone who that particular situation did occur. So just remember, even in those quiet, subtle moments, simply just reach out and praise the dog, even if you just say his or her name with a little affection. Don't forget, your dog also needs to know when things are right and not always when things are wrong. And those moments will go a long way to a more well-behaved dog. And it also helps in the bonding area as well. It takes a little time and diligence to be a responsible caregiver to a companion animal, but it's truly worth it. I think one of the toughest calls I ever received was from a gentleman who basically said he just didn't have the time to put in to take care of his dog. And unfortunately, that's something that no matter what you do and how you try to help them, if they're not going to put forth the time and the love and the consistency and the structure for the dog, that situation is not going to benefit the dog. I think when you work with animals, that's the call that hurts the most. Because in your heart, you know that with resolve, with commitment, with dedication, with structure, with continuity and repetition, things can change. It just takes a little dedication. But if that's not there at, at the basis, that's what breaks your heart. So hopefully those who go to adopt a companion animal will realize that it is a lifelong commitment. It's a member of the family and should be treated as such. And to not give up. There is hope. There are different personalities. There are different temperaments. But there are ways to deal with it. There are ways to communicate, find out what the problem is, and try to recondition and refocus the dog. You have to give that a try first before giving up because there's a lack of time, lack of energy, etc. I think once that's ruled out and that's on the human side, then the dogs stand a very strong chance of behavior modification. We have to change our thinking first. Maybe we have to restructure our time, our schedule, our routines, etc. But it's truly worth it. The effort we put in will be the results that we receive back. And no matter what, the dog, to the best of his or her capability, will truly comply. And the results will be good, because it's a joint effort. But the majority of the work first has to come from us. Our responsibility, our dedication, and the knowledge that the dog wants our approval. Then it's our job to see what his or her needs are. And then we, as caregivers, must show the dog the new and proper way. If people give up too soon, or expect results overnight, or for a number of reasons due to a lack of time, patience, commitment, etc., it's just unfair to the dog. We just have to set the dog up to succeed first. And then it's our job to know what to do from there. They're communicating with us constantly. They want us to communicate back. And they just want to know how to fit in. They want to do the right thing. They want to fit into the pack. 
and they want us to be their loving leaders. Let's give them that opportunity. But a leader has to know how to lead. A leader has to know how to guide, how to gently persuade, how to be compassionate, yet still firm but gentle. A leader has to provide patience, a leader has to provide support, and a leader has to provide guidance. It sounds like a lot, but we can do it. All we need to do is be patient, be loving, and have the right tools to know how to lead our dogs. But it still comes down to this. Communication is the key. So we can look to them for the signals they send us. It just makes our job a little easier. Just think of their first role model, their mother. Strong, firm, compassionate, gentle, supportive. But she'd correct them when she'd have to, but in a very loving way. Just to guide them to the correct behavior. And they learn. And there's mutual respect, admiration, and love. And it's all for their benefit and their safety. And they instinctively know that. They feel secure. They feel safe. They feel guided. That's what a leader provides. To redirect and refocus, she would gently nudge them on the right path to the correct behavior. And she'd only do so at the correct time, the correct way, and immediately show them the proper way. They would get it. They'd understand, and there was never negative punishment. They were always rewarded with affection and approval. That's good leadership. She would pick up their signals, and they pick up hers. The thing about guidance and correction, just the way the mother does it, is that it has to be done immediately, so the dog exactly knows what behavior was inappropriate. Just like the mother gently nudges the dog, but we have to do it gently and calmly, at the immediate time, and immediately show the proper behavior. That's communication. And it works. And it can work for us, too. Now, dogs communicate all kinds of things to us. Positive behaviors, and sometimes not so positive. Some negative behaviors develop as well. But that's only because of lack of guidance. And it could usually indicate that we have maybe missed some of the signals along the way, and a negative behavior developed. But more often than not, that can be rectified. So those behaviors can change very quickly. Of course, it depends on the dog and the situation. But most of the time, when those behaviors are recognized and the source is discovered, when a refocus and a redirection takes place, most often with conditioning and repetition, those behaviors can be changed. Some behaviors can change rather quickly, some take a little more time, depending upon a variety of factors, including the behavior, the particular situation, and the individual dog, and of course, the people surrounding the companion animal. Communication all starts in puppyhood. They practice different postures until they learn what responses they get from their litter mates and, most importantly, their mother. Problems develop with the miscommunication. It's when we don't pick up the messages they're sending to us. Dogs have significant ways that they communicate with each other and with us, but in several specific ways. By scent, sight, sound, movement, and body language. They vocalize in many ways as well. Their extensive repertoire includes the ever-popular barking, whining, growling, the low growl, howling, and whimpering. Speaking of howling, the history of howling has its roots in the dog's wolf ancestry. It was used as a form of communication, since wolves and dogs are pack animals and from the canid family, and have a need to socialize and remain close to the pack. Like the wolf, a dog's howl can be heard over long distances. The howl can run through various pitches, and that aids in producing a long-distance sound. It was a way of identifying who's out there, a call for help, a warning of danger to the others, but primarily unifying the pack to rejoin for safety. The howl was originally used by wolves for communication, to synchronize and assemble the pack. 
The modern-day dog, however, in a family setting, has no need for the original purpose of the howl. But when a dog feels isolated or lonely, he or she may feel the need to communicate that message of loneliness instinctively with a howl. As for barking, barking itself is pretty broad. But you know yourself if you have a dog. Their barks present a wide range of vocalizations. There are truly many types of barks, all specifying a different need. Some barks are to welcome and greet. Some elicit a warning or to signal an alarm of impending danger. Other barks are derived from excitement. Some are from appreciation, such as a soft or muffled-sounding bark. Some are purely to communicate location to people or other dogs, for example. Some barks are purely out of playfulness, and others are a direct result of stress, overexcitement, anxiety, fear, or even boredom. They all have different sounds, intensities, and rhythms, and they each relay a very different meaning. And as varied as they are, one thing's for sure: there's a definitive reason for each type of bark. Before we get into the different types of postures that are very easily recognizable, let's not forget facial expressions and smaller, subtler gestures that are still very strong means of communication, including the head tilt, the position of their head, the way they carry their tail, the position of their ears, baring of teeth, curling of lips, licking their lips, yawning, looking away, as well as glancing and physical positioning. All these and facial expressions, as well, are strong gestures of communication to us and to each other. Whether you know it or not, your dog is always picking up on your energy, your body language, and your movement, your posture, your expressions, and your energy and emotions. Not a lot of people can pull that off, but they can. They're experts at reading that with each other and with us. They know how we're expressing things, what we're feeling, how we're feeling, and all of our moods. In a way, when you think about it, we can't deceive them, but unfortunately, sometimes we deceive each other. You know, you try to cover things up or try to put on a happy face, things like that, and it gets you through. But with your dog, there's no lying, and that's a good thing. They understand every single mood that we're in. They even go by the tone of our voice, the pitch of our voice, and every nuance. Pretty amazing. With each other, scent, of course, is the most important thing. That's the way they greet each other by sniffing, sort of like their newspaper. They receive all the information they need about each other, about that particular situation, about the environment, about the whole scenario. Dogs can take in so much information too about health from each other. They can understand each other's physical states, their psychological state, and their emotional state. Marking their territory, of course, is another very strong signal to each other. It's an instinctive territorial trait. They communicate and interact with each other through body language as well, facial expressions, body posturing, eye movements, and vocalizations too. And as I mentioned before, the eyes are extremely important. Eye contact means so much to a dog. It can create that special emotional bond between you and your dog. And with another dog, it could be a stare down. It all depends on the situation, as a submissive one avoids eye contact. We'll take a look at reading your dog's body language next. Stay right here. You're listening to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back right after this. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by Shoebuy.com, the world's largest site for shoes. 
Walk your dog in style and comfort with over 750,000 name brands for men, women, teens, and children. Enter the code TEACHERS, T-E-A-C-H-E-R-S, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Okay class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Welcome back. Let's take a look at reading your dog's body language and posturing. When a dog is in the most desired state, the relaxed body posture, that I think most of us can recognize. The body's relaxed. The tail is in a neutral position. The ears are up, but they're relaxed. The head is high. The mouth is usually open slightly. Overall, the dog is in a very peaceful, comfortable state. Now, here's a wonderful posture to get to know. In this relaxed, calm state, this is where your trainings begin. This is a state of mind that your dog can focus. This is the best time to start training. In fact, here's a tip. To promote that state in your dog, deplete that excess energy, take your dog for a nice, healthy walk. A good walk on a daily basis is not only great exercise, it also presents a mentally stimulating challenge as well as physical exercise. This way your dog can focus on you and be calm and relaxed. Now the alert body posture has a lot of distinct differences. The tail is upright, the mouth is closed, body stiffens, the eyes are wider, the ears perk up, and even forward, and the dog is standing tall on his, his or her toes. This usually happens when the dog's interest is peaked. Usually this posture is a preliminary for something to follow. Just like in all the dog's communication, this is an important posture to notice for effective training. It's like the dog is telling us this is the time that he or she may need assistance to something that he or she has been alerted to. And at that moment, the dog is trying to make a decision as to what to do, such as fight, flight, avoidance, or submission. It's at this time that you may want to redirect the dog's attention quickly with either sound, movement, treats, toys, etc., before it escalates to the next behavior. Now, that's not always the case, but it can be a possibility. We can get more involved with this in depth at a later time. But just know that the alert body posture is not only significant for the dog, but is extremely significant for us that that's the moment to redirect and refocus the dog. So when the dog approaches the alert body posture, it's time for us to be on the alert too, for the dog's safety. The more aggressive posture is where the tail is completely up and stiff. The ears are now completely forward and the hackles are standing straight up. The corner of the mouth is forward. The dog stands quite tall and forward on the toes. 
This is usually accompanied by barking or growling. Unlike the alert posture, the offensive threat posture or aggressive posture is not the time to give any correction to the dog. At that point, the behavior is already escalated, and correcting then may only prompt the dog to become more aggressive or redirect the aggression, which is not something that you want. In this case, the dog must relax first in order to have him or her focus. So the key is to have the dog not escalate to that state. Hence, the alert posture becomes even more important. Now, if your dog frequently exhibits this posture and you have difficulty regaining control of your dog, you may need to seek out the help of a professional, trainer, or behaviorist to help you work through it so that you and your dog stay safe. Now, the passive posture, the tail's down between the legs, hackles are still up, the ears are pulled completely back, corner of the mouth is back, and the body is in a much lower position. In this position, the dog is more fearful and is in a self-protective mode. This is a defensive position. Now, more of a passive submission is when the tail is tucked underneath, eyes are looking completely away, averted, and the dog rolls down onto his back. That's the passive submission posture. The more active submission posture is when the tail is down still, ears are also back, the body is still lowered, and the dog may be licking either another dog or a human. When this particular situation occurs, training should stop. Have the dog take a break and return at another time. This means the dog may be confused and is taking a submissive stance. It could also be signs of stress in your dog. This is not a good time for training. And a very stressful dog will have the tail down, ears back. There'll be rapid panting with the corner of the mouth back, body once again lowered, the pupils can be dilated, and there could even be some sweating through the pads. This is an important posture to notice because, again, if this is happening during training, stop immediately. That is signs of severe stress in your dog. When a dog exhibits stress posture, immediately seek out the source. If possible, remove the object. If that's not possible, remove the dog from the situation calmly but immediately. It's good to recognize these postures so that you can be aware of what your dog is trying to tell you. Now, there could be other signs. Of course, each dog is different, as their personalities are different. But these are instinctual signs that most likely will occur. Get to know your dog, the mannerisms, expressions, and personalities. And you'll clearly understand the communication. We all recognize a good one called the play bow. That's the happy posture. Anyone who lives with a dog happily recognizes this position. The tail is up and wagging. Ears are up. The front end is lowered down sort of in a bowing position, and the mouth is open with the tongue visible, almost as if the dog is laughing in a way. Play bow is exactly that. It's initiation of play, whether it's with another dog or with a person. Here's a great experiment. If you yourself get into a play bow position on your knees and by putting your arms out in front of you and lowering your head down, watch how fast your dog will run to you and get into the same position. He or she will easily recognize the fact that you're initiating play. Just be prepared and know that your dog is going to want some playtime at that time. That's a great way to know that you've totally communicated with your dog and to see from their eyes how body posturing and body language can express so much. This is a fun way to see firsthand communicate like they do and to achieve the desired results. It's proof positive that they're always on the lookout for communication. So getting their attention, we're halfway there. The other half is up to us to relay the information correctly. Just like yours, I know my dogs communicate all the time. My two dogs in particular grew up together. and was such an affinity toward them, my Border Collie and my Hound Shepherd mix. They were so close to each other and to me. And the bond was very strong. 
always giving each other signs and signals and messages, and I learned directly from them. And they in turn relayed everything to me. Their messages were clear. I have to share with you this story that's near and dear to my heart. And this one particular occasion, my border collie, who I had a very strong connection with, one night in the middle of the night, she came up to me. She didn't cry. She didn't bark. All she did was stare. But she had one of those stares that was piercing. She kept staring and staring. It actually, I actually woke up to her stare. And I knew instantly that something was wrong. Don't ask me how. I just knew. She led me into the other room where she led me to my other dog, my very sweet hound dog, Hound Shepherd Mix. And she was sick. And my hound needed assistance. She was sick. And, you know, it's amazing how they do this. If I would have dismissed her or say, go lie down, or if I just would have dismissed it, I would have missed an important message. So, you see, they're communicating with us all the time. It's up to us how we handle it. It never ceases to amaze me how they do this. And my border collie was amazing. She trusted and knew that I would attend to her. She knew she didn't have to bark or whine or whimper. Now, maybe in another situation, in another case, she would have had to have done so. But she knew that subtly she could get my attention, and she stayed true to it. She stayed firm and true and committed until I responded. It's just amazing how she got me to wake up. They have so much faith in us that we're going to respond. And how secure they must feel, fully knowing that, that we understand them and that we'll take care of things. So we owe it to them to try. Learning how they communicate effectively with us and each other helps us to learn how to communicate better and more effectively with them. So observe your dog more closely. Get to know his or her behavior. Get to know his or her personality. Your dog's love and approval is all he or she needs. And ultimately, that'll bring about happiness for both you and your pet. Your dog will have the structure that's needed, and you'll have the behavior that you seek. And the most important thing is the trust and security that will ultimately be felt by you and your pet. It only comes with time and with bonding. I look forward to sharing this time with you again next week when we'll learn two basic training cues, two prerequisites for any other type of training, two basic fundamental cues it's great to have in your repertoire. Focus and sit. Once your dog masters these two, they're the fundamentals for all else to come. If you have any training questions, you can email me. I'll be happy to get back to you. It's heart to heart canine counseling at yahoo.com. And it's all spelled out. It's T O, not the number two. And my website is www.hearttoheartk9counseling.com. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how your dog is doing. In future weeks, we'll be addressing all kinds of topics. And if there's something on your mind or specific ideas that you may need for help for your dog, let me know. You can email me at PetLifeRadio.com. And remember, create peace for you and your companion animal for a happier, healthier life. Take care. I'll chat with you again soon. And thanks for listening to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.